Hi everyone, welcome to this new episode of Let's Chat Politics. I am Elliot, your host, and today in this episode we'll talk about the ongoing protests in China. I am joined with my friend Lily. Hi Lily, thank you for coming. Hey guys, thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, before we start, can you please give us a little introduction of yourself? Hello, I'm Lily, like Elliot said. Uh, I'm studying PPE at UCL and uh, yeah, I'm Chinese. I still have family. Actually, yeah, my parents are living there right now, so I've been kind of following what's, going on, what's going on there. Yeah, we're having someone from UCL today, so I know. I know. Enemy territory. Enemy territory. It's a bit of a treason, but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We'll get over it. Uh, so for those that uh, haven't followed the news recently, there is unusual and and big scale protests in China at the moment. Can you please give us a little context? For the last year and a half, or like almost two years, so once the new variant of COVID emerged, China adopted this very strict zero case policy, whereby they will lock down um, in t like cities or more often entire areas or neighborhoods, even if there are just like one or two cases. And yeah, the goal is to kind of achieve absolutely no COVID cases at all. Um, which, you know, as it sounds, very, very, very much just ridiculous. And yeah, actually, it's very um, difficult as well yeah. because it, it, there's a lot of people living in those buildings. So it's exactly. like when you have one case, you have to completely yeah. eradicate. Yeah. And um, so essentially what's been happening in the past week also is that people are protesting about the, gov uh, the government's handling of COVID and um, the, the lack of freedom of movement that's been imposed and essentially I think one of the reasons that triggered these protests was that recently there was a fire that happened near an apartment block building in um, Ulumuchi which is a city in the Xinjiang province that's the northwest of China. Ten people died because they were essentially technically quotation mark in lockdown and they couldn't escape it's really horrific as in people they, they were crying for help people like hurt them but no one could do anything, anything. yeah um, and yeah and after that in in shanghai they held like a protest slash um visual like um for the people who died in the fire and that wasn't the the only incident i can't remember exactly when it was but essentially what happened was um in either a apartment block or like a community they had what like one or two positive cases and then an entire building of people were being evacuated to like to be self-isolated in this building or facility and so they were being taken there overnight by bus and essentially what happened was that the bus got into an accident and a lot of people also died. Oh yeah, what kind of, uh, of measures uh, have been implemented in China since the beginning okay. of COVID? What, what measures that we haven't had in the UK or in Europe in general have been set up? Honestly, I think most, if not all the measurements that they have imposed is pretty unthinkable in Europe. So like last time I was in China was summer 2020 and um, that was when kind of uh, COVID in Europe was just started to get really bad. But China has the, the pandemic started earlier and um, they really quickly tighten up the control. And um, so that summer, everything was open and, you know, it felt 
relatively relaxed but the other measurements first i had to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks actually uh, you know not the most unusual because yeah we had to do that in the uk as well yeah but yeah no and um we had to get this app and pretty much everywhere we go we have to sign in or scan like a barcode using the app and the app essentially like tracks everywhere you go knows like everything you've been up to well, we've had it in France as well but it didn't last for long because yeah. people were pretty upset yeah it's kind of like the NHS track and trace here but um but in China it's like if you don't have the app you can't go anywhere. If you want to enter a shopping center, you have to scan the app. Even I remember like that time I was well, like I was taking dry um driving lessons in Beijing. Even just to go take my driving lesson, I had to scan this app. Yeah, and we've seen those videos recently as well of those robot dog looking <laughs> yeah. thingies where they like they have speakers oh. and they shout people to go home, to wear masks to fight COVID, stuff like that. It's also something impossible to imagine here. I think someone would just like, shoot the dog. Or yeah, someone would kick it. Someone would kick the dog. Someone. And so let's talk a bit more about the protest itself. So how are uh, people protesting at the moment? A few months ago, they essentially locked down the entirety of Shanghai for two months. It's millions and millions it of people. millions and millions of people. And some people like, couldn't access food, like living in the office. How do they manage to split like this building is quarantined but this one is not okay a little bit of background context to the like the urban planning of Beijing and to be fair um, a lot of Chinese cities so most people would live in apartment blocks and um, so these apartment blocks are clustered in um, almost like gated communities so essentially yeah, you have like a pretty clear-cut parameter of you know, like this is one neighborhood and this is another neighborhood, which means that it's really easy for them to just like lock down or like the, you know, the entirety of this one neighborhood if they have a few cases. It's like a little bubble. It's basically. like exactly, there are little bubbles already like there to be separated and you know, and locked down. Whereas somewhere like London, where you can't distinguish one house from another, one neighborhood from another is, you know, how do you draw the lines? And these neighborhoods, they, they have literal gates. Usually, so each neighborhood has its own, okay, quotation mark, local authority, but they're not really authorities, definitely not in the political sense, as in, like, they're not justified to enforce the law or, mm-hmm. or rules. So do they do they follow the government guidelines or do they enforce their own? Do they have freedom to like You see your your janitor can say no that's it you're not going out now. Like supposedly they should follow the government's guideline. You know, there will be a, a few cases and then that's it. Yeah, they will lock down the entire neighborhood whether it's like following the government's mm-hmm. guidelines or not. Oh, also another thing, you have to take a PCR test every single day. Oh my God, every every person. Every person. And you know when these things happen, it's not like it comes with a warning, you know, it just happens suddenly. So it's like all of a sudden you have to pause your life you can't go to work you know you have to self-isolate and like i guess one way you can look at it is that the government is using covid as an excuse or a tool to tighten control another way i don't know what do you think what do you think well what do you think like why are they i doing don't this? i don't know well to be fair it's it's not surprising that the chinese government is doing that it's not the first time that they've had very strict surveilling and surveillance and and 
freedom taking measures, right? But I do feel like when they decide to move away from that at some point, people will be so happy that there's no COVID measures that they, their tolerance for freedom will like expand. Mm. Wait, I, I, don't, I didn't phrase it well, but what I mean is they can go back mm -hmm. to like a less strict way of life, mm -hmm. right? Compared to the current measures with COVID, but still stricter than before COVID, but people will still be happy because it's not COVID anymore. Oh, I you see. You know what I okay. mean? Okay, okay. It's almost like essentially the government is altering people's perspective on what is freedom. What is freedom. Exactly, because like, let's say now, because you haven't been home in, in, in two years yeah. now. You haven't seen your parents in two years. Yep. Let's say now you can go and see them. There's no hotel measure, everything's open. But you still have to have this app that you didn't have before COVID mm -hmm. and check in everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. You'll still go to China and be happy to see your parents and you'll feel like you have developed some more freedom in your home country. But you still have less freedom than before because now you have that app and they can check everything you do. If we look at like mm. you know, we look at it from a strategic point of view, I would I would say that this is one of the reasons why they're being so tight about it. Okay, let's talk more about the protests now. So how are people protesting? Is it organized movements? Is it big movements? Is it mainly in cities? How does that work? It's mostly in cities. On on on, on like a smaller scale, a lot of people are participating in um, protests slash um, stand-ins at the neighborhoods where lockdowns are being imposed and yeah essentially they just stand outside and refuse to stay inside. On bigger scales a lot of people have been protesting explicitly telling Xi to step down. Xi Jinping the yes. leader yeah, <laughs> yeah, of exactly, the communist yeah. party and leader of the country. Yes. How, how do you even do that? i not gonna lie I didn't have that much hope for people like Chinese people um, protesting on that scale about the system they're in because I just think that a lot of people have lived in this one system for so long in relative stability that first of all they have no incentive to go against something that's not disadvantaging them and not giving them an excuse to protest about anything and obviously a, ge a generalization because even if the Chinese economy is overall stable, wealth gap, especially people in cities and people in mm -hmm. the countryside or even just people in smaller cities, I guess like Chinese culture is not a culture that has a lot of room for dissent. It's a, it's a culture that very much prizes obedience and this is not only visible in the political sphere people don't really talk about politics or like people are not very opinionated about it but it even comes down to in the education system where from a from a young age you're not encouraged to have your own views your own opinions essentially you're becoming i don't know like swept into this whole system of producing the same kind of people for, for the same goal you know like people are not really in the education system people don't really learn for the benefit of learning or to figure out like what they what they like what they're interested in it's more to be productive are. it's to be productive and to mm -hmm. you know do well in exams and mm -hmm. that's kind of it's that kind of reward system and it's also okay it's a reward system where you're rewarded if 
you obey by the rules. Yeah, and it's, it's essentially it's like a, like a like yeah. A, so it's like difficult to step movement. up and and launch a movement where you're being disobedient because you know that you're gonna be punished. Or or, or rather, it's that like people just don't want to. Mm -hmm. I I I I think yeah, like um, being like being scared of the repercussions is one thing but but another thing is just like it's not a given you know to like question the system you're in or to question the rules because it's this idea that the rules are correct yeah so we've seen these people holding up blank pieces of paper because it's very recent right so it's yeah. more of a opinionated slash personal question that i'm yeah. asking you but what what do you think would the, the government think about that i think it's so clever. It's even more of a middle finger to the government, even more than, you know, actually writing signs that's mm. like critical of what the system or what the government has been doing. It's essentially, it, it, it's clever because the whole point that it shows that even if people are holding blank pieces of paper, the, the government is paranoid, the government is is scared and and you know therefore they they want to eradicate this whole thing as much as possible even if people are not doing anything mm -hmm. because i think it, it doesn't matter what the pieces of paper say the very fact that people on that scale have gathered together to to stand against the system is a really big thing like i i personally well maybe there has been but i, I personally can't can't think of you know like another big scale protest that's that's happened in the modern times yeah in in yeah in the last like few decades <laughs> well yeah, like at least the last, in the last few like 10, ten years, years. Yeah. the last big one was the 1989. 1989 yeah funnily enough i actually that's the thing i actually have no idea what will come out of this from the point of view of the western media whereby the media tend to sideline quite often uh, the people who live in China with the government. I think the media tend to portray it as because you you are part of the system, then obviously, you know, naturally... You, you agree with you the agree system. You agree with the system, but um, just purely from a logistic point of view, think about how many people there are in this, like, in, the, in this country. And to generalize the whole, like, state of mind of the entire population is problematic and and second of all there are a, even before this a lot more people than you know than than you would think who are critical of the system but who because the system is not explicitly impacting their lives they'd rather not speak out because maybe they think that oh like you know what can i do what's the point i hope that it would give western media a different perspective of the Chinese, the, population. the Chinese population or at least the political climate. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. Thank you Lily for coming. Thank you for having me. It was again. very interesting to have uh, your insight on the current situation. Again, we're just students talking about it. So if you want to do more research, I encourage you to look up online. Just before we finish, uh, Lily has a podcast as well called Make Art Not Statements and it's airing every Monday at 11am on rarefm.co.uk is the, the UCL radio station yeah, <laughs> guys, radio station I'm so sorry for shouting out uh, a US health <laughs> service but <laughs> if you, if you 
want to listen to me rumble about art and play some music. That's yeah, cool. good music. Good. You know what you can do? You can listen to that podcast on the Monday and then on the Wednesday you listen to mine. If you want to have news about when the podcasts are being uploaded, just follow the KCL Politics Instagram account. So thank you everyone for listening to this episode and see you very soon. Thank you.